This is Talk Freight. Talk Freight. And this is Craig Bliss. What's up, everybody? It is Craig. It's Thursday, so that means it's time for another Talk Freight Thursday sponsored by truckstop.com. It's actually been a little bit since we had someone come on here and talk freight. I believe it's been over a week by now um, when we had Bill, Bill Hood from last time. Anyways, today on today's tonight's episode of Talk Freight Thursday, we're actually bringing on the CEO of Forager on to talk about uh, digital brokering, amongst other things in the industry. I'm excited to get on here because you guys know I like everything tech, especially when it comes to freight tech. You know, it's new. It's not about, you know, back in the day when I got in the industry 10 years ago, freight tech was like macro point. Now, macro point is, you know, basically old news, but that's just one of the many examples of how far this industry has come in just a short amount of time. So anyways, like I said, tonight we're bringing on Matt Silver, the CEO of Voyager, on to kind of give his opinion about the industry. First, we're going to ask him what is Voyager and what they do uh, and kind of get his, you know, in his opinion on the industry, see where he came from and to kind of get his opinion how Voyager can help drivers brokers, shippers, and everybody else who's in this industry. So I'm going to go ahead and bring him on right now. Um, he could probably introduce himself a lot better than I can. So I'm going to give him an introduce, uh, give him some time to introduce himself. Matt, how are you today? Good. How are you? I'm doing just fine. I appreciate coming on to the uh, Talk Freight show here on Facebook, as well as our Talk Freight podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and I was going to ask you, you know, I'm just learning about Voyager just a little bit. Of course, I heard him on Freight Waves, like I'm sure a lot of people have heard about you guys on. But now I got to ask first, you know, first off, you know, who you are, where you came from, and what are you doing at Voyager, and what are Voyager doing? Sure. So uh, I'll start with with my background, I guess. I, uh, I originally worked at Coyote. Um, started there when I was 19, worked through in a lot of different roles at, at the company, but ultimately ended up building out the Mexico department there. Um, we got acquired by UPS in 2015, and uh, my last year at Coyote was spent trying to help build out the Canadian side of the business. And ultimately, a little over two years ago, I decided to leave, um, wanting to do something different, a little bit more unique in the industry, and do something the way that I wanted to do it. And so um, started Forager. And originally when we started the company, it was me and, and two of my close friends, Jordan and Jesse. Uh, Jordan Jordan runs finance, data and analytics. Jesse's our chief operating officer. Um, we originally actually started the business thinking we would build a cross-border freight brokerage and sell it to somebody bigger. And uh, pretty early on in that process, we started looking at technology and realized uh, there wasn't any good technology nor TMS or anything like that. that, that managed cross-border freight the way that it needs right. to be built and managed. Um, and so we quickly pivoted from building a brokerage to building technology um, and, and also helping move freight in that process. Um, big part of our transformation has really been uh, around, you know, I would call it right now, you could call us a digital freight broker at the time. Um, we have technology, customers log in to scout every day, they get quotes and book loads. Um, but at the end of the day, we've got a really long roadmap ahead of us that we're building out something really unique and interesting. Got it. Got it. Before the show, you mentioned Voyager can be, you know, described more as uh, a truck stop and a convoy kind of in this space. Could you kind of explain that? So everybody who has not heard of Voyager or who may not know who convoy and truckstop.com is, uh, you can kind of let them know how is Voyager alike truckstop.com and the convoy kind of in one mix there. So I don't, I, 
I'm obviously familiar with Truck Stop, and and I I know somewhat about Convoy from what I've read. But um, the reason why I put it that way is because what we're building, you know, right now we we initially released Scout, which is where customers can log in and they can get access to spot pricing and spot capacity instantly for anything shipping cross border um, within North America and specifically truckload. And what that's going to evolve into is. Uh, a place for not only customers, obviously, to, to, to book freight and to get access to capacity and pricing, but also a place for carriers to get access to that freight. And so when you think about kind of how uh, Convoy is different than a lot of the industry, because they've actually built some pretty interesting technology when it comes sure. to, to matching and lane optimization. And I think it's one of the more interesting you know, digital freight brokerages in the space because of the unique approach that they're taking compared to like an Uber Freight or a, or a LoadSmart or a Transfix. And um, I, I think that there's a little bit of similarity in terms of the concept around the way that we're building out the network. Um, and so that's why I would lump that in with a little bit of the convoy side of it. But from a truck, truck stop perspective, we want to create a platform and a marketplace where customers and carriers can connect through technology. And so whether whether we're the ones, which right now we're the ones that make the decision about what trucking company is going to haul a certain load. Got so it. we have customers that are putting loads into Scout and we're taking that freight and we're negotiating with the trucking companies to be able to book that freight. But what that's going to evolve into is um, later this year, we'll be releasing a carrier portal where trucking companies can log in and they can they can bid on freight. They can accept or decline loads uh, based on the posted price. Um, they can put in as much or as little of their network as they want to into our system, whether it's the lanes that they like to run, the rates that they run, uh, the type of freight they like to haul. We want to create this this hub for anything for cross-border freight uh, where it can flow through there. And at some point, we'll take our hands off of it. Sure. Um, and we'll stop being the ones that make the decision about how much the rate, how much a load should go for, how much we should pay a carrier, um, and trying to negotiate with those carriers and and use the technology, build the technology, and allow it to create the match itself, and allow customers and carriers to to be able to interact together. That's um, awesome. Yeah. At the, at the end of the day, we're trying to create a collaborative work environment um, for these companies to be able to, to work together. Um, but at the same time, trying to clean up all the clutter that you get with the amount of emails that you see for cross-border shipping. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You know, uh, in the freight groups, I always say it's no secret. You know, when I was a freight broker, I no longer broker day to day. Luckily, I like to say, but you know what I did? I say I stuck to the easy freight. You know, every now and again, I would do maybe some Georgia's up to Ontario's or Ontario, you know, Canada back down to Georgia. But when it came to cross border, you know, I almost uh, shook because <laughs> I went from going to my easy general drive-in freight to trying to figure out how to handle this cross-border madness. But one thing I always figured out when I found a driver off, let's say truckstop.com or DAT or another low board, a lot of drivers, they were just begging for this freight. They were experts in this freight, but they just didn't have a place to go to find this type of freight. Is that Voyager sweet spot being kind of unique um, in, the, uh, in the idea that Basically, you guys are the only one streamlining this, uh, streamlining the process with cross-border transactions. Yeah. So there's, it's funny you said that about the way that you brokered freight because um, my entire career, I've always been drawn to the really challenging side of things. <laughs> um, I was, I was as a carrier rep back in the day. I was always booking the scrappy stuff that maybe I'll talk about. <laughs> yeah, um, I was the one that, you know. <laughs> yeah, batteries. Um, I yeah. was, I literally booked battery freight for three years. 
Um, oh, my, uh, you know, I was the one that would get, because I was in San Diego for three years, I would get phone calls from the rest of the office that was in the eastern half of the country um, at like five o'clock our time, which was seven o'clock central, right. as, asking if uh, if I could cover a load that late at night and it would be like a hazmat reefer load. <laughs> um, and so I've always been drawn to the more challenging side of things. And Mexico specifically can be probably 10 times more challenging than Canada. Right. Canada, right. you can have, whether it's an owner operator or a, or a small or medium sized trucking company, Canada is kind of like an extension of the United States. There is right. a, there's a customs component to it, which, which adds a little bit of complexity to it. But at the end of the day, somebody picks that up in Atlanta, they deliver that in, in Toronto sure. and that's it. Uh, they connect, you know, they contact customs, whether it's through phone or email. Uh, they, they reach out to the customs broker and they, they go deliver the load. And there's maybe like a 20 or a 30 minute wait. For Mexico though, whether you're transloading the product at the border or you're shipping it through on the same trailer, there's at least two to three tractors involved in a single shipment moving across the border. Yeah. One or two trailers, um, potentially three or four different parties that you're paying. So if you're transloading, you're paying uh, two to, at least two different trucking companies, a transfer company uh, and a transload facility. And so we've designed software that take all of those different steps and will automate every single part of that process from the matching to assignment to the pricing piece of it and the tendering and obviously the tracking. Um, we're partnered with Project 44 for the visibility and tracking we piece do. of it. Um, but, uh, you know, as we continue to build out the technology, we'll add new features and add better visibility. Um, talking through, you know, the idea of integrating with customs brokers, uh, being able to, to, there's just, there's hundreds of emails that go back and forth for a single shipment. For and sure, so for sure. Technology is what needs to be used or leveraged to be able to actually fix that. And so when we started the company, started with Mexico, we focused on automotive. It doesn't get more challenging and complicated than automotive Mexico freight. There we go. Um, just in time, just in sequence, going right yeah. into a line, into a plant. Like it doesn't get harder than that. And so I knew that if we set the bar at that level for that level of complexity, everything else besides that was gonna be that much easier. Wow. Yeah. See, that, that's amazing. You know, talk about Mexico and talking about um, the automotive freight. Um, when I was brokering, you know, back in the day, if you will, a lot of my freight was right out of the Eagle Pass. You know, I my job started right when I hit the Eagle Pass warehouse, you know, waiting, getting into Mexico. And I'm going to tell you, I had a lot of chances to kind of secure freight in the Mexico side. And the reason why I didn't was because exactly what you just said. It is hard. There's a lot of stuff. It can definitely be done. However, it's challenging. The risk is through the roof. Um, it, it was hard, but on the same time, I had a huge book of carriers who were very interested in taking this freight. Um, but I couldn't, you know, I, I couldn't service them. They always told me they didn't have no place to go to find that freight. It sounds like if they were connected with Voyager at the time, they could have had access to more freight, especially more of that, um, cross border freight, if you will, there. And so that's this why will, I like it. Yeah. This will be the place that everybody goes in order to get freight that goes in out of Mexico or Canada. And I ship it, whether it's truckload, LTL, intermodal, air, potentially parcel and e-commerce, sure. um, anything that goes across the border, we want to be uh, the source of record uh, for making that happen. Yeah, I definitely see that, especially, you know, um, this service helping shippers put out more loads out there equals, you know, drivers getting more loads. I like it, you know, especially being the first ones in the cross border uh, pricing and the booking hauling with the scout. And that's what I was going to talk to you about now. Scout is a little bit different from what you got going on with Voyager. Is that correct? And if so, what exactly is Scout or how, how can people use Scout or how is it used within Forager? 
Scout is the software that we're building. So, um, you know, right now pieces pieces of it are kind of in separate spots. So, um, but Forager and and Scout are one and the same. Effectively, it's the software that we've built and and it's the name we came up with. Um, but customers log in, they can get a rate instantly, and they can book a load. It takes less than two minutes. Nice. We're releasing a new version of it in a few weeks, um, which will add contracted pricing to it. So customers will be able to lock in a contracted rate for at least a year, for up to a year, um, based on a certain amount of volume and based on a certain amount of volume, sure. they, could, they could potentially benefit from a, a discount of some sort at, at a certain level. And so uh, we're going to continue building product around that and and. That's why you know I mentioned that we're going to start to see a transformation of our business. Right. Um, building that product, then Scout, you know, the carrier component of it will still also be called Scout. Um, and so at that point, everybody will be living and breathing in Scout, including our own internal TMS and, and what our customers and carriers use. Yeah, that makes sense, and I can definitely see you know with that transition there. And now I gotta ask, with um, I know right now you could be call, let's say a little bit of a digital brokerage, but I understand that's not. Uh, sounds like it's more than that in the future there. Um, one of the biggest concerns I have, not with one app in particular, but drivers have a lot of concern with digital brokering or digital brokerage apps because they feel it um, almost promotes uh, the ability of brokers to post cheap freight without giving them the ability to bid or negotiate a higher rate. And um, I can feel for drivers because a lot of times I would say as a broker, I may not know all the areas. I have my data you know, to tell me, but sometimes a driver um, can educate a broker and get a higher rate. How is Scout or how is Voyager kind of playing into this or are you guys? So we have a proprietary pricing algorithm that we built that, that calculates the rate. Um, it's it's unlike, so first off, owner operators generally don't go into Mexico. Um, they might take the US portion of a Mexico shipment, but um, it would maybe be a little bit more for Canada. And what we're building is probably a little bit better suited for um, the 25 to 500 truck range. Got it. Um, now, we will eventually probably add a, a mobile app for owner apps to, to get at least the US portion of a transload. Um, but the, the, the concept of, of pricing with carriers and customers, you know, I learned a long time ago how much it costs to operate a, a, to, to move a truck. Um, and, and everything from, you know, I, I found a, a calculator, I think it's like truckmiles.com yeah. and, and you can actually calculate how much it actually costs for somebody to operate a truck. But I didn't learn that at the time that I, um, you know, spent a lot of time working with owner operators early on in my career. And I actually put a trucking company out of business. Got it. Uh, and so I've, I, the, that happened because I thought, you know, I was making a good amount of commission. I was a young carrier rep mm -hmm. um, and I was moving this driver uh, all around the Western half of the country. And I just had him reloading on load after load, LA to Seattle, Seattle down to Vegas, Vegas over to Phoenix, Phoenix to LA, wow. just putting him in these loops. Um, and I thought, okay, cool. I could do this for a dollar 25 a mile round trip. Cool. This guy's gonna be taking, these guys taking the loads. I'm making a ton of commission um, until one day that he went out of business. And uh, I've never felt worse in my entire life in my career at that point than when I put somebody out of business. And so from that point on, I made a, a concerted effort to understand how much it actually costs to move a truck. Um, I know that everybody needs to make a profit, including a broker. Um, there's this kind of notion that everyone thinks that brokers are trying to screw everybody. Um, and I, I genuinely don't think that's the case. Right. There are brokers I, I agree that with do that. that the same way there are customers and carriers that do that stuff. So right. um, there, are, there are bad people everywhere, but the, the general feel and, and, you know, most of my coworkers in general in my past career 
uh, we're looking out for both sides of the, the, the equation. And so um, when it comes to kind of treating carriers and respecting drivers, and especially what's going on right now, the, yeah. the utmost respect for drivers and trucking companies and what they do and what they're going through. Sure. Um, my purpose of building out this platform is to make everybody benefit from it. And so I think about, um, I actually listened to another podcast recently uh, between Reed Hoffman, um, the founder of LinkedIn and uh, Toby Lukey, who started Shopify. And, and Toby talks about the fact that uh, in order for Shopify to truly become a, a successful platform, it required that their customers made more money than they did. And so for us, this isn't about trying to go make 15, 20, 25, 30% margins. Sure. Um, it's about building a network and building density and building volume and creating a cohesive environment for that. And so I know that if we can build out this marketplace the right way and put the, the control in the hands of the shippers and the trucking companies and just be the layer that, that helps create that network um, and helps optimize all of that, uh, we will also win at the same time while our customers and our carriers win from that. Yeah, exactly. You know, I can definitely see that. And I do like that quote um from the head of shopify they're the ceo of shopify i think a lot of us can you know relate to that but one thing that i uh a takeaway from that from the statement you just made is is how you're understanding or how you understand you know the carrier side or you understand how an owner op operator you know works and operates especially you as a ceo of you know you could say a large company we, we will get into that in a minute but from a ceo's you know own words if you will he understands how owner operators and carriers, you know, work, understand their I'm, challenges. And I think that's great. I'm still Facebook friends with some of the owner operators I used to work with like 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> like, I like, I still keep in touch with the old carriers that I used to that's work with. Awesome. Like, I don't, you know, I used to work with a lot of the guys based in Chicago, like, yep. in, like Eastern Europe and stuff. So like, yep, yep. those guys, like, they don't, they don't do, they do not haul freight to the border and then in Mexico. And so like, right, right. Carriers, like, I don't, we don't work with that forager, but like, there's still people that I consider to be friends. So, for sure. Like, for sure. Yeah. And you never know, you may, you know, intertwine with them sometime down the road. I bet we probably have a lot of, uh, <laughs> I bet we probably have a lot of similar carrier connections, if you will, because, you know, I started... Um, in Chicago, I'm probably similar to like you, you know, when I was in Chicago, I was working, you know, for mega brokerages, TSG, TSG, which is now Redwood. And at the time working there for a couple of years, um, I thought the brokers were on top, you know, it was the wrong mindset, 18, 19 years old. I thought that's just how it worked until I got uh, put under a wing by a carrier, if you will. And he showed me more of the business, showed me the other side of the business and it just opened up my world. So very similar like you, and I could see, uh, a lot of similarities, especially in terms of success, if you will, um, when you treat the carrier right, you know, business usually is good there. I will tell you, so there's two things that I've, I've asked of everybody that's I've, that I've hired to understand and to learn. And I think that anybody that works in logistics should learn this um, or have to do this, which is one, call an owner operator or a driver that just deadheaded 300 miles to pick up a load and give them $150 TONU and see how right. they react. Um, and and you're not going to get a good reaction out of that. And the same thing holds true on the other side of it, which is to call a customer three hours after the pickup appointment and tell them that your driver's not there. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's 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 about taking care of the drivers because if you don't have the drivers, you don't have the carriers, and you don't have any of the customers. It works as a big brokerage. Like 
you always at any brokerage, this isn't specific to Coyote, it's just any big brokerage, there's this notion of the fact that customer sales reps are better than carrier reps. Like there we go. carrier reps work for the customer reps and it's like, that is not the case. Exactly. You don't have <laughs> demand without the supply. You don't have there the supply without demand. Like they're equal and they're both needed. Yeah, it's um, that's kind of how it was at the Megas. You know, they would call us, I was more of an Alps guy, you know, the beginning, they would call us non-revenue generating. I'm like, I'm a relationship maintainer. I am maintaining relationships. You're protecting There we go, protecting revenue. I like that one more. I should have used it. Um, and kind of moving on here, what I find impressive is, you know, there's a lot of tech companies entering the space and not only that, but brokers as well, but they leave just as fast as they enter. I was just reading an article not too long ago that you guys raised like $10 million in financing. So that kind of tells me you guys probably aren't going around anytime soon. And so what are you guys going to do with all that money? <laughs> uh, so we are investing heavily in the technology side of things, uh, engineering and product. We are um, actively recruiting engineers right now. I, don't, I can't imagine there's a bunch of engineers listening to this podcast, <laughs> but if you are, please apply. Um, we're, we're also adding sales reps. So uh, aside from the fact that everybody's remote right now, yeah. um, you know, we're hiring sales reps anywhere in the U.S. Uh, eventually, you know, once we're ready to, we'll do that in Mexico and Canada. But um, we just hired a sales rep out in, out in L.A. and he's been phenomenal over the last few weeks. Um, you know, we're looking at hiring people in Chattanooga, Minneapolis. Yeah. Um, we're looking for, especially right now because of the inability to train in a classroom, we want to add experienced salespeople. And I know there are a ton of layoffs happening. Um, I've been in contact with some of those bigger brokers that that had to make cuts because the cool right. thing about what we're doing, like we don't do anything domestic. Like we will not bid on domestic freight. If we get access to a bid and we're we're let's say it's a thousand lane bid and there's twelve lanes that are cross border or go to the southern border, if it goes to the radar all pass and we'll take it, sure. we're only submitting twelve rates. We're not submitting a thousand rates. And so we, you know, some of the big brokers that we've heard about, like we've been in touch with because we're not a threat to what they're doing. They're right, domestic. right, that makes sense. And so my hope is to at least give a couple people some soft landings um, that join our team, but we're investing in, and in obviously an engineering product and, and sales, and um, obviously this is the carrier side of the group. So basically right. everything. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we're, we're rearing to grow in spite of everything else that's going on right now. Yeah, that's what it definitely sounds like. And like I said, when I read that article, I was like, oh, wow. You know, being backed, um, I believe I could be wrong, but I believe, you know, venture capitalists, um, you know, heavily yeah. in uh, a couple of brands that I'm familiar with. So that was we have a we have a nice mixture of investors. So U.S. Venture Partners just led our, our Series A, the $10 million round. Um, Chicago Ventures participated uh, previously and, and Soma Capital did as well. And they're based out in the Valley. Um, previously, TFI invested. So TFI is 10th largest trucking company in North America. And. 36th, I think, in the world, wow. and they, they own CFI, they own oh, Transport. Got it. America. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah anything yeah, yeah. that's got the swoosh over the top, they own that. So, Overland, TC Expedite, T Force, all no. that stuff. They used to be called Transforce. So, they own about 15,000, I think about 15,000 assets throughout wow. North America. Um, and so, we're really, they were our first investor, and we're thrilled to have them, that's them awesome. as, as an investor. And then uh, Herb Shear invested, he sold Genco to. to FedEx in 2014. Wow. Um, and then we had several people in Laredo that own trucking companies and custom brokers uh, who also invested. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's um, that's when I was reading, you know, just a little bit about what you just said. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. You know, they're here to stay. 
And a lot of people know me, you know, I say I'm a trucker's ally because I've worked on all sides of the industry, you know, shippers, brokerage, carriers. I even done dispatching. Don't ask me why, but I've done dispatching back in the day for people. Uh, so I always say is, you know, when the shipper is taken care of, drivers benefit. You don't always have to go direct to the shipper for freight. You just need to find a good partner. And it sounds like Voyager is a great partner for that cross-border freight needs. Uh, because it sounds like the technology you guys have, just from what I know about you guys, you guys are really taking care of the shipper, providing a solution that hasn't really been provided you know, to them before, unless not this easy, you know? And so I can really see, you know, drivers benefiting, you know, even if they're not here domestically, you know, they're benefiting somehow, whether that's on the, the Canadian side or the Mexico side there. Um, but I do like one of your uh, sayings on your website says, we want simple cross-border shipping, we deliver. I like straight to the point stuff there. And so uh, I just want to say that I like that on the website. You know, you want simple cross-border shipping, we deliver. I think that's yep. all there. Our, our job at the end of the day is to to make it so that customers don't have to think about cross-border freight. Let them yeah. focus on their volume, which is domestic typically. And now last question here. Now, uh, I guess as a tie into two questions in one, is there going to be a need in your opinion, of course, in your personal opinion, will there be a need for traditional brokers in the future, whether for domestic freight or international freight, when freight is so easy over an app? No. I think I saw somebody posting, I don't remember who it was. C.H. Robinson, Coyote, TQL, XPO, I mean, TQL, maybe not, but um, <laughs> big brokers, uh, and depending on what, on what Brad Jacobs ends up doing with, with XPO long-term, but sure. the big brokers are not going anywhere. I mean, like, Coyote's owned by UPS now, and, and, and UPS is doing great right now, obviously. Yeah. Um, so the big brokers aren't going to go anywhere. The, you know, the, the, I'm obviously love seeing the fact that my brother's company is growing like crazy right now. Who's your um, brother? Andrew, uh, Andrew Silver, obviously it's Molo, um, in oh, okay. Chicago. They're, they're quickly becoming a really large domestic freight brokerage that sure. I would strongly recommend. And the, um, the small guys that have zero differentiating anything to what they do, like it yep. doesn't make sense for me. I, I also don't fully understand the agency model that we see right now with some of the big guys, but different conversation, I guess, but yeah. <laughs> as as these nobody's gonna just win the u.s market like it's there a 780 go. or 800 billion dollar um u.s yeah, market yeah. and no one's gonna win that leo ron the guy that runs uber freight has even talked about that they they know that you know uber freight could become a five billion dollar freight brokerage at some point they would still own such a small part so right. each robinson i think has less than two percent of the u.s market so no one's going to just win the whole thing, but there's certainly going to be a lot of optimization over the next several years. Um, it's a, a lot of this will depend one on um, how much you know someone like a convoy and Uber Freight advances in their development, how much that that drivers actually want to work with like the mobile app model, um, how big or how much bigger some of these big brokers get, um, and then combining that with with whether it's something like blockchain at some point yeah. down the road becoming something that um, becoming, you know, a, a player. More, yeah, case, yeah. Um, which I kind of laugh about, but, um, or uh, autonomous vehicles. So autonomous trucking at some point is going to make it so that there's a little bit less of a need for people to be getting on the phone and calling, calling um, and negotiating stuff. And I know that that's not something that like a lot of truck drivers like to think about. I don't think that displaces drivers for the record. I just right. think it, it puts them in a slightly different position than having to be driving for 14 hours and yep. 12 or whatever. I agree. But 
Yeah, I think things are going to evolve. Um, this industry has a desperate need for better technology, mm -hmm. um, whether it's simply better TMSs for the brokers um, or better better technology that, that help optimize shipping and, and distribution. Yep, like I say, you know, and kind of in my little intro jingle, what I like to do is kind of help drivers, you know, the little guy, if you will, look like the bigger guy by talking about and introducing, you know, new freight tech, uh, freight news, you know, anything to help them make their lives easier. Because in, in trucking, you know, one thing that I see, trucking is a little old school. It's only been the last five, 10 years, in my opinion, that's becoming more new school with the tech, uh, mainly probably from all these drivers' kids, you know, as their sons creating all these tech apps and all that. And so I'm glad that you kind of agree with me because I believe traditional freight brokers, as we see now, it's going to be a lot different in the future because drivers have the convenience of apps. Shippers have the convenience of moving freight seamlessly through apps. Um, or through a system there, so I think that's it, a future. It, it's funny because like you, you, I, somebody posted about this on LinkedIn the other day, and I can't remember who it was, but it was a question about like what smaller brokers need to be successful. It's like like a good idea, something that differentiates you from somebody else. Like like we're actually very unique and and yeah. um, really different, and um and I think that sets us apart significantly, and it's why people I invested agree. in us. And yeah, so. I agree. Like if somebody, you know, somebody actually said to me the other day, they were thinking about starting a freight brokerage and I flat out was like, don't do that. Like that is why, what are you, what are you going to benefit from that? Come and work for me or something yeah, if sure. you think you can go sell. But like, if you're wow. going to start a freight brokerage, what's your differentiator that you're, How are um, you different? Yeah. what is it that you get one single point of contact, mm -hmm. which I'm pretty sure still says on our website. Um, you have, um, you know, dedicated operations team right. and 24 um, hour tracking and tracing, yes, 24 hour tracking and tracing. And we never give a load back. Yeah. Um, except for if it's a high loss. Right. <laughs> so yeah. Like, dude, what else is like, what is there to differentiate? You know, yeah, just, nothing. yeah. That's why I made a video six months ago titled stop opening up brokerages. <laughs> that's all it's titled because it's, you know, it's only about a five minute video because that's all you needed of the reasons why. And uh, kind of goes along with it before we end here. When people always say, Craig, why don't you open up a brokerage? Someone I told me, why not? <laughs> someone told me they had a, a really great idea once and they were like trying to pitch it to me or something. And sorry, my dog's whining. Oh, no, you're fine. The dog's fine. <laughs> but someone told me they were like, I have this great idea. And I'm like, okay, what is it? And he goes, I'm going to build an app that allows drivers to get access to freight and and they'll be able to build like it's a mobile app that they can then then we'll go offer it to customers and i'm like you heard of uber freight before and and <laughs> he's like many? yeah no no, no 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 it's different and i'm like what do you mean and like he pitched i'm like okay like yeah coyotes had that app for a long time i'm sure vh has one yep. uber freight convoy all the guys have that like and you have no money and you don't have any customers or any freight yet or any carriers to use it. How are you going to get an owner operator? Which I think drivers suffer from a little bit of fatigue around this. Like yeah. how many more apps do you want to download? How many more food apps do you have on your phone? Between like, you know, DoorDash and, and Uber Eats and Postmates uh, yeah. and all the other stuff. Like sure. how many more apps do you need to download in order to get a load? Right, right. That's how I look at it. You know, it's um, I think last year was a big push about is there an app overload going on now? Because everybody's like app, app, app. But the way I look so, at it, you know, the good apps work. You can delete the apps that don't and just yep. ones that work. And then you won't have that many on your phone, you know, to be honest there. So someone, someone will create an app that consolidates all the apps into one app. So. <laughs>
like a broker of mobile apps. Oh my, that's next. I mean, that is next. I'm gonna have a lot of people thinking that. There you go. Whoever invents that, I want 1% of that. <laughs> good deal, good deal. And now to end this off here, you know, Matt, uh, I interviewed a few CEOs, uh, CEOs as well. You know, the I always ask them the same question. You know, I've heard back in the day, leaders are readers. And so I have to ask you, what is your favorite book or what book can you recommend? To give you some uh, ideas. I had lunch with a CEO of ADM. He recommended the book, uh, Barking Up the Wrong Tree. Uh, the, CEO, the COO of truckstop.com, Trent, he recommended the book, uh, Blitz Scaling. I think a real estate CEO that I that's, have lunch with. <laughs> that's Reed Hoffman, the guy that yeah. the podcast that I was talking about, that's his book. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah, he recommended that. So what's your book? What can I add to the list? Uh, and even more so my bookshelf there. The hard thing about the hard things. Um, ben Horowitz wrote it. Ben Ben Horowitz is uh, you know the co-founder of Hor Andreessen Horowitz. Um, Andreessen Horowitz is one of the top VCs in the country, obviously, and uh, he wrote it about um, being a you know his early days of starting a company and and the roller coaster that he went through and the transformation of like, his transformation into becoming a wartime CEO. And it is something I almost it's like my bible almost like in terms of how i think about like managing yeah. and, and and like managing through problems and a crisis and like you know he tells a story about how they almost ran out of money and they were like maybe weeks away from floundering and running out of money and he turned around and flipped like two-thirds of the company and sold it to somebody else wow and then built a note a new um huge business and had a very successful exit and so any entrepreneur anybody that's starting a company one of the first things I would recommend they read is the hard thing about the hard things. It talks about all the hard decisions, obviously, that you have to make as a CEO and um, and what you kind of have to do uh, at building a business. And you have to, one, you have to be ruthless. Two, you have to, to understand that you need to do everything in your power to build an amazing business. And so, um, you know, it's, I've learned a lot of those hard lessons over the last year and a half. I've had to, you know, I've, I've hired friends and I've had to fire friends. Yeah, um, yeah. And and those are things that like I, I don't want to do again. But um, yeah, that's the book that I would recommend. Good deal. I like that. You know, kind of relating to that. Uh, in my first management role, I remember it, you know, just like it was yesterday that my boss, you know, the owner of the company now, he said, now tomorrow when you come here, your emotions stop at the door. You would not have emotions in this role. And at the time, I'm like, what? I don't get it. I, I got it real quick when I was, you know, forced to make hard decisions there. So. You know, I definitely, uh, definitely appreciate you jumping on a talk break with me. Um, definitely appreciate, you know, learning more about Voyager, how it can help shippers, you know, how it can help truck drivers even out in the industry and how it's really going to start disrupting uh, traditional brokers, if you will, especially with the cross-border um, freight needs there. So, Matt, I definitely appreciate you jumping up here and talking with me on this podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem, Matt, and hope to talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Yeah, see you later. All right, everybody. That was awesome. If you guys didn't hear, that was Matt Silver from the company Voyager. I believe they are out of Chicago. Um, yeah, like I said, I started doing research a little bit about them. Looks like they're staying here just by the amount of financing. That is great. Like I said, it's um, anything that helps the shipper, you know, be successful and make the shippers' lives easier, definitely helps or benefits the driver in the long run. And so that's what we got there. So if you guys can learn more about that. Um, I believe their website, their website is a little bit different. It's Voyager. Just type it in Google Voyager and then a scout by Voyager. You guys can find everything about that. But um, that was our talk for it. I hope to see you guys on Monday for the next Make More Money Monday sponsored by truckstop.com.